Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to another top-rated radio show on the USA Talk Radio Network. Welcome to the American Hour with your host, Commander Tom Garcia, on the USA Talk Radio Network. Happy Friday, everybody. Somehow I managed to uh, cue up an old intro that doesn't relate to my program, but it's the wonders of computers. Uh, Back when I was an agent, I had a sign on my wall that said, to err is human, but to really screw up, you need a computer. And here we have living proof this evening. But I thank you for joining me anyway. My name is Mike Cutler. This is the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, and it is August the 10th, 2018, in spite of that um, archive that you just heard uh, introducing my program, and I thank you for joining me. Um, Those of you who are familiar with me, familiar with the program, uh, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, an agency that was sliced diced and chopped into multiple pieces to create what came to be known as DHS, the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, And if you're familiar with my show, you know that pretty much since its inception, I've referred to DHS as the Department of Homeland Surrender. Um, I've written numerous articles about how DHS was created in such a way where it de-emphasized border security and immigration law enforcement to the detriment of America and Americans. And there have been consequences. There have been a number of deadly terrorist attacks in the United States since DHS was created uh, because immigration vulnerabilities were not properly addressed. And those vulnerabilities are still not being addressed adequately because well-intentioned, as President Trump is, and I think he's the best we've had in quite some time, uh, notwithstanding issues that I have with his lack of nuance and language and so forth, and we can go on forever (laughs) about some of the stuff I would do differently, he seems, in my judgment, to be the only president since perhaps Kennedy or Eisenhower who truly understands the need for America to have sovereign borders and effective immigration law enforcement. Both political parties, and I don't care what candidate you want to talk to, and I know some of my conservative friends get upset when I say it, but I will include Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter and the Clintons and and Bill Clinton And certainly, God forbid, had Hillary won, it would have made, really, the Obama years, uh, we we could have um, been kind of um, nostalgic for them. Um, And and George W. Bush and certainly President Obama, my goodness gracious, the effort has been on taking down America's borders by both parties, but the Democrats have really driven off the edge. Uh, I mean, we're in a situation today that I never could have imagined in a million years. If 10 years ago someone would have said that the Democrats would have been calling for ending immigration law enforcement, I I would have thought that the individual was delusional, believing in black helicopters and all the other crazy conspiracy theories. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is now what passes for the priorities of the party to which I am registered. People say, how can you be a Democrat? Well, I'm a Democrat. The problem is the Democrats aren't Democrats. 
They've become fascists. They've become anarchists. And I certainly don't like the word progressive. I have a problem when my adversaries can decide what names we call them by. And I'm not even talking about some four-letter language that immediately springs to mind. The idea of progressive may sound wonderful to the uninitiated, to the naive. And by saying that, I'm probably describing 80% of our fellow countrymen. There's nothing progressive about tearing down America's borders and flooding America with cheap foreign labor so that we can fire Americans, drive down wages, and watch hundreds of billions of dollars of the U.S. economy flood out the door, headed for the third world, never to be seen again. I can't imagine a worse set of circumstances whereby narcotics and gangs flood across our borders, terrorists come across our borders, and somehow we're supposed to believe that this is a progressive agenda or a conservative agenda outcome. This is nothing less than an invasion. Uh, Michelle Malcolm, the uh, columnist, years ago wrote a book called Invasion. And, and I met Michelle. I think she's terrific. I know she uh, quoted me on a number of occasions in the past. Uh, and I said, gee whiz, Michelle, Invasion? Really? It's, it's an overstatement. Actually, she must have had a crystal ball. Because an invasion is properly identified by a huge number of people um, intruding on someone else's domain. That's what illegal immigration is. We're not talking about lawful immigration. And there's enough problems with the legal system. But when people run our borders with impunity and sanctuary city mayors welcome them with open arms and deem them to be patriots and heroes, which is what Pelosi, who had once been the Speaker of the House, she was in line to the succession to the presidency. Think about it. Um, what in the world is she thinking? What in the world is she saying? And more and more of the candidates coming out on the Democratic side are associating in the public mind immigration law enforcement with, with, with the stormtroopers of the Holocaust. I'm Jewish. I was named for my grandmother who was slaughtered in Poland because of our religion. I, I can't tell you how disturbing and infuriating uh, that kind of insane claim is. This is nuts. It's endangering the lives of our agents. It's making it almost impossible for them to operate the way they need to in many of our cities, which are the prime targets for terrorists. But Pelosi is fine with that, apparently. Certainly Chuck Schumer is fine with it. Chuck Schumer said if you trespass on critical infrastructure or national landmarks, you should go to jail for five years. We need a federal crime here. We need to have a federal punishment, and it's got to be stiff to deter people from doing dangerous things unless the trespass occurs on our soil by foreign nationals, and then Chuck stands shoulder to shoulder with the Wackaloon Club that has become the Democratic Party, calling for providing those folks with United States citizenship, the highest honor a country can bestow upon aliens. And, by the way, it's not just the honor, it's the ability of these folks to then embed themselves in the United States. This is one of the key findings of the 9-11 Commission to which I provided testimony. Acquiring lawful status, and particularly U.S. citizenship, provides the individual who gets that certificate of citizenship the keys to the kingdom. You can have any job. You can get a U.S. passport. But under our wacky current circumstances, you can still retain your prior passport. So now you have two passports, two different nationalities, very often two different names. It makes it very easy for terrorists, criminals, and fugitives to cover their tracks by traveling on one passport then switching to another passport as they cross an international border, then switching back yet again.
They cover their tracks doing that as certainly as a smuggler in the desert drags branches behind him or behind her to cover the tracks that they've made in the sand. That's how dangerous this is. And yet we we listen to the nonsense. And and so I wrote an article that I'm going to discuss with you today for Front Page Magazine. And you know I do a ton of writing for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, sponsored by the terrific David Horowitz Freedom Center. I'm proud to have been a columnist, and I am a columnist with him and have been for several years now. I also write for The Social Contract, and their uh, fall issue is being put together as we speak. Um, They've picked up on the topic that I thought was important. It's going to be the theme for the issue. I've got the lead article and several other articles. From what I understand, they're still trying to work out the logistics. But the topic that I thought was important was to call it sanctuary country. Don't for a heartbeat really believe that America is interested in securing its borders. Don't you for a heartbeat believe that the United States, either party, really wants effective immigration law enforcement. They don't. They don't. This is a charade. That's why um, if you look at the numbers of agents involved in immigration law enforcement and how they've been diluted, that mission has been diluted by combining immigration with customs and at the airport with agriculture and public health. And if you look at ICE combined with TSA, combined with the GSA police, the people that guard federal buildings and Secret Service, what in the world does that have to do with immigration law enforcement? It was done, and John Hostetler, when he was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, um, I was at a hearing uh, testifying when he made the point he made the point about the Bush administration, and think how courageous that was, because John Hostetler is a conservative Republican. So he was calling out George W. Bush for not following the Homeland Security Act by which DHS was created. He was so crystal clear on this. So understand that we have turned America into a sanctuary for illegal aliens. We have turned America into the classroom for our adversaries. For all the nonsense and all the BS we hear about policies of nuclear nonproliferation, don't believe it. Not for a heartbeat, don't believe it. We're teaching nuclear physics to students from all over the world. How in the world are we stopping the spread of nuclear technology when you teach nuclear physics and other areas of high technology to students from China and all other countries around the world? And China's our adversary. Let's be very crystal clear. I don't know how in the world George Bush Sr. declared them to be entitled to most favored nation trade status. China's track record on civil rights is kind of like North Korea light. They make families live with their, or they make workers live with their families in factories. Could you imagine a, a bleaker survival than to work in a factory and have your wife and children living in the factory with you so you don't go anywhere. They've got you, and if they want to work you to death in the middle of the night, all they've got to do is roust you out of bed and, and drag you over to the place where you do your work. It was so abysmal there that people were jumping out the windows, but unlike the United States where there would be lawsuits and demonstrations, China showed its compassion and its creativity by putting up nets to catch the falling bodies so at least they don't go splat on the pavement. What an inconvenience that would be to have to mop up the blood. I was on a radio show a while back, and we were talking about what a bleak subsistence 
the poor bastards who live in China experience on a daily basis. And I said, well, if China was really creative, they would have put up trampolines. So when these depressed people attempt suicide, they'd be bounced back to their desk and they could keep them working. This is who we give nuclear technology to. Last year, we admitted 152,000 Chinese STEM students, science, technology, engineering, and math. So think about it. They get engineering degrees. They get math degrees. They get chemistry degrees. They get physics degrees. And then they get to go work for American companies because we have something known as optional practical training. And under George W. Bush, the amount of time that such students could work in the country was, I believe, doubled. Why? To displace more Americans because these students are cheaper, and you don't have to provide them with workman's compensation or any of those other pesky benefits. This is a level of greed that's unfathomable. And then Obama further increased the amount of time they could come here and displace American workers. How wonderful for us. How wonderful for us. And we're also training Chinese computer programmers. They and the Russians and the Iranians hack our computers as frequently as hummingbirds beat their wings. So what do we do to protect ourselves against the hackers? We train the hackers. We have a death wish. As a country, we have a death wish. This is about a level of greed, ladies and gentlemen, that I could never have imagined happening in this great country. These bums on Silicon, in Silicon Valley and elsewhere make the robber barons of the 18th century look like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, and Cub Scouts. They make them look ethical, honest, and compassionate. These folks in Silicon Valley would do everything in their power to fire every American they could possibly fire and bring in nothing but third world workers who, because they come from third world countries, bring with them third world expectations of wages and working conditions. So where are the heroes to be found in Washington? Where are the heroes? Members of Congress pushing DACA down our throats. And why are they pushing DACA? Well, I'll tell you why they're pushing DACA. They push DACA because DACA is make work for immigration lawyers. And you have members of Congress in both parties who are immigration lawyers. Bob Goodlatte, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, is an immigration attorney. Zoe Lofgren, the Democrat side, immigration lawyer, and there are many others, but these people hold prominent positions where immigration law enforcement is concerned. Never forget that lawyers never want to get rid of clients. All that lawyers think about are billable hours. So when you have people saying the solution to DACA is to legalize the children, they're not children. This whole DACA program was a scam foisted on America, first as the comprehensive immigration reform. When that didn't pass, it became the DREAM Act, We're going to take care of the children. And I'll tell you what. If it was really about the children, I might have signed on for that. I might have agreed. I might have gone and participated in a press conference and said, yes, pass the DREAM Act, if it was about the children. And for it to have been about the children, then they should have said, if you're under the age of 21, which legally makes you a child, Go to an immigration office with your most recent report card, a transcript from your school, and photo ID, and we'll see if we can help you. I would sign on to that. What do you think of that? But that wasn't what was done. The age cutoff, and people still don't know. Our fellow Americans are naive and willfully and woefully stupid and ignorant of the facts. 
if you want to have fun the next time you're at a barbecue, the next time you sit down and have lunch with a bunch of your friends at work, ask them what the age cutoff would have been for the DREAM Act or for DACA. I do it when I travel around the country, and I hear all kinds of crazy stuff. 25, 28, no, no. The DREAM Act would have covered aliens who had not yet attained their 36th birthday. 35 was the age cutoff. How do they claim it was for children? Because all that the aliens had to do was claim in the application that they entered the United States prior to their 16th birthday. Well, enough members of Congress saw through the lies and the scam and said no. So Obama comes along and says, well, Congress failed to act. Another glowing lie, scorching glowing. Congress voted no. If you look at the Constitution, when Congress says no, it's not a failure to act. It's voting no, and it's discharging its authority, its prerogative, to be the voice of the people, and and that's what the legislative process is. That's why there's a legislative process. In dictatorships, the ruler gets what he wants, kind of like Obama. Congress has failed to act. I'm going to take care of the children because I'm such a wonderful man. And what did he do? He gave us DACA, Deferred Action Childhood Arrival, but he lowered the age to 31. And now judges have said, well, you have to reinstate DACA. Well, that happened in 2012. Here we are, 2018. Tack on how many years to that. We're talking now about aliens who could be 37 years of age. 37 years of age. And by the way, why was the DREAM Act up to age 35? I wrote about it for Front Page Magazine. Go look at my article. Read my articles, please. Because demographers did a study and they made the shocking determination that 90% of the United States are under the age of 35. So all this was was an effort through what was hoped to be massive immigration fraud to enable unknown millions of illegal aliens to get lawful status. It would have made the Reagan amnesty fiasco look like a pimple on the backside of an elephant. And it's about to happen now. It's about to happen now. I just wrote an article a week ago about how Steve Scalise, the Republican whip in the House, said we're going to solve the DACA problem. And how does he want to solve it? We're going to legalize anybody and everybody who would have qualified under Obama. Think about that. You have a judge who just ruled that it's unconstitutional for the president to stop DACA. How is it unconstitutional? I didn't go to law school, but I want someone to explain where in the Constitution there's support for DACA when other judges have ruled the whole program to be illegal. If you really want to read the Constitution, check out Article 4, Section 4, wherein the federal government has the responsibility to protect each of the states of this republic from invasion and domestic violence. Article 4, Section 4. Look at terrorism. Look at the transnational gangs. Look at the drug cartels and the deadly narcotics that pour into America by the ton every every hour of every day. Protect the states from violence. Protect the states from invasion. That's in the Constitution. How come no one ever talks about Article 4, Section 4? And how does a judge who claims to know the Constitution, because he declared president to be acting unconstitutionally, demand that the president continue policy promulgated by the previous administration from the opposing party? This is a level of insanity 
that is unfathomable. Unfathomable. Why in the world do we claim that the solution to millions of illegal aliens is to legalize them? This isn't a failed system. Immigration, as I said repeatedly, because I've been on TV this past uh, couple of weeks, um, Laura Ingram and um, on uh, the Joe Wall Show over at uh, Newsmax Television. I was also on with Miranda Khan at Newsmax and American T- America Talks, and, and, and it was delightful, absolutely delightful to join Dana Loesch on her program, Relentless, over on NRA TV. Uh, and then I was also on um, with Grant uh, Stinchfield, also at NRA TV. And we've been talking about these issues. It's funny, the mainstream media doesn't want to have this conversation, though. Where's CNN? Where's ABC? Where's MSNBC? After 9-11, I was doing multiple interviews per day on those networks. They don't want to hear about this now. They have signed on for the whole concept of open borders and globalism. The hell with America, the hell with our borders, the hell with national security, the hell with public safety, the hell with our educational system. Let's just do away with it all. Let's watch America evaporate. And my statement is not one of xenophobia, but of practicality and common sense. You cannot defend the country when you have no control over who comes into the country. The primary mission of our armed forces, all five branches, is to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. But up close and in person, the job of defending our country against those foreign nationals who would come here to hurt us falls to the Border Patrol, the Customs and Border Protection officers, inspectors who work at the international airports and other ports of entry. I did that job for four years, the beginning of my career. And, of course, the ICE agents from within the interior. And we only have about six or 7,000 ICE agents, but well over a million enlisted men and women in the armed forces. That ought to tell you whether or not we're serious about immigration law enforcement, and clearly we're not. If ICE goes out and rounds up 209 people, everybody has a stroke and it makes headlines across the country. Oh, my God, mass deportations. 200 aliens get arrested, and the open borders lunatics scream about mass deportations. Mass deportations? That's like some guy walks off the beach and brushes a couple of grains of sand off of his shoes, and the headline reads that the mayor is looking to get rid of all the sand in the beach. That's the analogy. We probably have 30 million illegal aliens in the United States, with more arriving every single day. In fact, there was just a report that last year over 700,000 aliens who were lawfully admitted either overstayed their visas or otherwise violated their terms of admission. 700,000 illegal aliens. Now, we've documented. This isn't an undocumented entry. We know they're here. They didn't go home. They're here, probably working illegally, maybe committing crimes. So 200 people get arrested over, over a one-week period, and it makes headlines, oh, my God, this crackdown has to stop these poor immigrants. 200 were arrested. In the same week, how many tens of thousands came across our borders illegally or came through ports of entry with no intentions of ever leaving. But if 200 get arrested, we go into panic mode. At least the media does. Beating the drum, mass deportations, these bigoted, terrible, racist ICE agents. Who would call immigration agents bigots and racists? Nancy Pelosi. The same woman who comes out, and that happened in February on her website. It's in my article. Please go read my article. 
she was so crystal clear on this. Let me read this quote to you because it is so egregious. She is going to get people hurt. She's certainly making it harder for those agents to do their jobs, and part of their job has a national security component. What most people don't realize is that the second largest contingent of federal agents assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration agents. Immigration laws are critical to investigating and prosecuting foreign nationals who engage in terrorism and crime. So Nancy Pelosi, on her own website, she can't say she didn't say it, last day of February this year, February 28th. Let me read this to you. I mean, it's just so insane. Washington, D.C., Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi issued this statement, and, and here we go. The Trump administration's raids were a shocking abuse of law enforcement power. Again, the White House has reached into our communities to detain scores of hardworking, law-abiding immigrants indiscriminately. How are you law-abiding when you run our borders or violate your visas or commit visa fraud? I want to know what laws we're talking about that they're law-abiding. You know, they didn't kill somebody that she knows of. And by the way, the, the rate of violent crime among illegal aliens, not lawful immigrants. Lawful immigrants, by the way, tend to be more law-abiding than U.S. citizens. That's true. That's true, because they have a lot to lose. They don't want to lose their green cards. But illegal aliens literally have nothing to lose. But when you refuse to distinguish illegal aliens from immigrant, lawful immigrant, then you can twist the facts the way that Pelosi twists them. If you're here illegally, you are not law-abiding. A burglar caught in your house cannot lay claim to be law-abiding. I'm a law-abiding member of the community, except for the fact that I wandered into your house after I broke the window and unlocked the door. Law-abiding? Really? Remarkable. But it gets worse. Fully half of those swept up in the ICE raids have no criminal record. This raid was intended to solely to terrorize innocent immigrant families and instill fear in the hearts of our communities, not to keep America safe. Parents will now be torn from their children and spouses ripped away from their loved ones. And she goes on and says, the administration continues to brazenly target the cities that refuse to bow to its blatantly bigoted anti-immigrant mass deportation agenda. Mass deportation. A couple of hundred get arrested here and there, and it's mass deportation, you see. The people of San Francisco Bay Area will continue to pose these cowardly attacks. Cowardly attack? When... Law enforcement makes an arrest. We refer to that as a cowardly attack. I thought we reserved that language for for terrorists. Cowardly attack. They're executing the law. They're enforcing the law. If you put handcuffs on someone and there's no legal justification, if you're in law enforcement, not only are you going to lose your job and be sued and probably lose everything you own, you're going to go to jail. Nobody puts handcuffs on somebody unless there's a violation of law. It's that simple. It's just that simple. You don't arrest people because you don't like the guy's nose or his skin color. But these are the lies, and this is the damage it does, and it incites riots. Freedom of speech is not freedom to incite riots. Our politicians ought to learn that lesson. But this gets even worse. She says this. We will remain open to patriotic immigrants who are the constant reinvigoration, reinvigoration of America. I'm not even sure if that's proper usage. Patriotic, law-abiding, 
That's how she describes illegal aliens. And then she has the chutzpah, or perhaps the delusion, just a couple of months later to stand in front of the cameras and say, oh, I support border enforcement. You know, the 9-11 Commission warned us. She actually invoked the 9-11 Commission and referred to the attacks of 9-11 as the 9-11 incident. We had an incident on 9-11. The train stopped running. We had an incident. There was a blackout. We had terror attacks where airliners were used as cruise missiles and flown into buildings, and more than 3,000 people have since died. And the death count continues because people are still dying as a result of the, of the toxins that they were exposed to when the towers collapsed, as a result of post-traumatic stress disorder that have led to heart disease, strokes, and death. There's a drug bill named after a first responder, I believe it was a police officer, now has something on the order of $6 billion to be paid to those people who need medical treatment because of their exposure to those toxins, the 9-11 incident. The worst terror attack in American history, the 9-11 incident. More people killed on 9-11 than were killed by the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. But I doubt she would call that the Pearl Harbor incident or the December 7th incident. But 9-11? Oh, we can't talk about terrorism, folks. We can, but we can't. We'll use it as much as we can. But then we're going to try to make it sound like it's something that it isn't. We are dealing with delusional people. You have Governor Cuomo threatening to arrest ICE agents for doing their jobs, threatening to arrest ICE agents. The 9-11 Commission was so crystal clear that one of the biggest failed components of immigration, besides visas and border security, was the lack of interior enforcement. Repeatedly, they hammered interior enforcement. That's the enforcement of the immigration laws from within the borders of the United States. That's the mission of ICE. That's the job that I did for 28 years. I arrested terrorists in my career. And in one case, it prevented the bombing of an oil refinery in Israel. So when I speak about this stuff, it's not conjecture. I didn't have a brain spasm last week, and now I'm running my mouth like some half-witted member of Congress who used to be the speaker. Our borders are our first and last line of defense. And when you recklessly go out there and vilify the agents who on a daily basis go in harm's way and put their lives on the line, arresting cartel members and terrorists and child abusers and bank robbers and all sorts of flotsam and jetsam from around the world who violate our laws and endanger our safety, and you turn those agents into the villains, as Cuomo did, I'm going to sue the government. They have no right to make those arrests. I guarantee you, if you don't pay your taxes in New York State, Mr. Cuomo will come and have you arrested. I bet you if you're a scofflaw and don't pay your traffic tickets, they'll arrest you. Because that takes money out of the economy that he needs to squander, maybe to slap his father's name on a new building because they don't want to put it on the bridge now, from what I understand. I mean, we've got to do worthwhile stuff with the money. So if you don't pay up, they're going to get you. Sure. But you violate our borders, you take the jobs of Americans. Every alien who gets arrested in a factory frees up a job for an American or a lawful immigrant worker. You're not hearing that in the news, are you? I never got excited over arresting somebody in a factory. But I did know that by doing that, we were opening up jobs. 
And we didn't have the numbers of illegal aliens when I was doing that work back in the early 80s. But we still felt good when we went by that factory the next day or that afternoon and saw a long line of job applicants who now had work because we got rid of the illegal workforce. We're not hearing that. We're not hearing about the remittances flowing out of the economy contributing to the U.S. national debt. We're now over $20 trillion. It weakens us. It undermines our national security. It undermines our economy. It drives down wages. And people who work illegally do pose a threat to safety. The day before an attack, and I've made this point at congressional hearings, the day before a terror attack, terrorists are likely to hide in plain sight by going to the jobs that they've been going to or attending school where they had been going to school. But the point is they hide among us. They don't hide in a hole in the ground. They are out there among us, driving cabs, driving limos, ice cream trucks, doing all kinds of jobs, very often jobs that require a vehicle so it gives them mobility and camouflage. That's why providing driver's licenses to illegal aliens is dangerous. We don't know who these folks are. And look how increasingly motor vehicles have been used to carry out deadly attacks in Europe and the United States. We just had it happen in New York City not long ago. A truck used to mow down bike riders on the west side of Manhattan. So you would think they would say, well, you know, we've got to be careful who we give licenses to. No, of course not. That's anti-immigrant. Better we should spend millions and millions and millions of dollars putting up concrete barriers so that New York looks kind of like a maze that you have to walk through so that trucks can't jump on the sidewalk. So what do you think is going to happen? At some point, some guy is going to drive a truck through midtown Manhattan and wait until the traffic slows. So he's the lead vehicle at a crosswalk, and when about 30 people are in front of his truck, he nails the gas and he'll take them out. Now what are we going to do? Have the gates go up on the light changes and spend billions of dollars on that maybe? Occam's razor says the simplest solution is the best solution. Stop giving driver's licenses to people if you don't know who the hell you're giving licenses to. That might work. That might work. Not a total solution, but it makes sense. But it doesn't make sense if your goal is to flood the country with foreign nationals, even if it costs people their lives. Because apparently the politicians have done the math, and they figured out how many people can be mowed down, killed, uh, or, or ripped apart, as long as they get the votes and the cheap labor and the campaign contributions from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the immigration lawyers, and everybody else who profits off this blood money. They've done the math. And I'd like to know what the equation is. I'd like to know. How many dead Americans or dead people, because it's not always Americans who get killed, as I remember, most of the people who got mowed down by the truck were tourists. That ought to be a good ad for, for people to come to America. Come to America and make believe you're a bowling pin so you can be bouncing off the bumpers of vehicles driven by terrorists. But it doesn't matter. I'm sure enough money was pumped into enough political campaigns by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and all the other usual suspects. So we lose a couple of people here and there. People got to die sooner or later. And by the way, that generates business for the funeral homes, and I'm sure they could use the business. That must be what these thugs are thinking. These people who call themselves our leaders, boy, have we fallen. How far, how quickly. How far, how quickly. You would think that people who take an oath to uphold the Constitution, to protect the citizens and represent them properly, would understand that they're endangering public safety and national security by their reckless acts. 
and instead they vilify the agents and threaten to arrest them for trying to keep America safe. If you want to talk about biting the hand that feeds and protects you, then we're talking about Cuomo, we're talking about Maxine Waters, we're talking about Kristen Gillibrand, we're talking about all of these nitwits who could care less who they kill as long as they keep power. Because after all, at the end of the day, it's all about the power. And I mean, look, compared to Joseph Stalin, who to maintain power had millions of Russians killed or sent off to the gulags of Siberia, I, I guess these people are, are princes and princesses because at least they're not sending anybody to Siberia, but they will allow murderers to walk our streets as long as they're aliens. If you're an American murderer, I'm going to guess they're going to want to lock you up. Maybe. Maybe. But we are so determined as a country to take down our borders and flood America with cheap labor and fill the waiting rooms of law firms that we're willing to run the risk of terrorism and murder. And in creating anarchy, you wind up with the sort of thing you see in Chicago. I believe 18 people died last weekend, gun violence. We've got to get illegal guns off the street. I'm a big believer in it. As an agent, uh, I, I took many guns off the street and was very happy to do so. But how about keeping terrorists and gang members out of our country? How about keeping drugs off of our streets? And the best way to do that is to secure America's borders. But, of course, if you secure America's borders, the people that want the country flooded with the illegal aliens that they call immigrants uh, wouldn't be able to, um, to get the money because the, the, their bribers would stop writing the checks. And the other part of the equation is that you have immigration lawyers and other practitioners of law in elected positions. So they make the system as complicated as possible so that there's no way that you could deal with immigration on your own. When I started to work for the INS, it was a simple matter to determine if somebody was illegally present in the United States, and the paperwork was relatively simple. These are administrative law violations, folks. This isn't criminal law. If you come on a tourist visa, you're generally permitted to stay no more than six months. So if somebody entered the United States eight months ago and they had no evidence that they had gotten an extension to remain longer, because we do grant that occasionally, then you arrested the alien. They overstayed. Let them go tell it to the judge. Not complicated. You came on a student visa. You're no longer enrolled in school. No problem. You arrested the person. Let them go tell it to the judge. Very simple process. But then lawyers didn't have work. So we made it as complicated as possible, and we filled the courts with all of these cases. And now it, it, if, you, if you arrest an alien, they probably won't have a hearing for a year or more because there's so many cases, not enough judges. Everything has been designed to do one thing, and this is what I've been saying on those TV programs. This is a failure by design. It's designed to mess up the system so that it stops working. They intentionally threw a monkey wrench into the gears. Now, when they say the system has failed, it hasn't failed. The system is doing exactly what the leaders from both parties wanted to do because they don't see immigration as a law enforcement issue. If they did, they would react differently. Drunk driving is dealt with as a law enforcement issue. They made the penalties more severe. They lowered the acceptable blood alcohol level. 
they signed enough law enforcement and did enough public service announcements to intimidate people into no longer driving drunk. I mean, some people still do it, but the numbers have dropped drastically. No one ever said too many people drink and drive. We can't do anything about it. They said, if we catch you, we're going to change your life. And we're looking for you. When you have the leaders from both parties say, well, we can't arrest everybody. We're going to have to at some point give them lawful status. Folks, they're playing music, and the people listening to the music are all over the world saying, how wonderful. I don't need no stinking visa to come to America. I just need to get to the Canadian border or the Mexican border or get some kind of a visa. Or if I come from a country where no visa is needed, more the better. I can stow away on a ship. Because once I get to America, they want me. They want me more than they want legal immigrants. So why would I be stupid and try to wait online and do everything I'm supposed to do to follow the law when the express lane is the illegal lane? That's really what's been created by both parties over the last several decades. And people aren't stupid. They pay attention. And the message is a clear one. You get one opportunity for first impression. So what's the first impression? Where immigration is concerned, law violators are welcome. We prefer you over our own citizens. That's how much we want you. We're desperate for you. Please come and break the law so we can reward you. What would you like will give you everything you want. Just don't come here illegal. Don't come here legally. And probably you shouldn't become an American citizen. Uh, unless maybe you have some nefarious gain to be had by getting that U.S. passport. This is an open invitation for illegal immigration. Every possible incentive has been created. Comprehensive reform would have even paid the legal fees for the attorneys. Why? Not to help the aliens, folks, to make sure that the lawyers got paid, remember, billable hours. That's the big deal here. Does this make any sense for our country? that our politicians have come to see immigration as, as a delivery system, not as a law enforcement system, a system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. And let me make it clear, exploitation is not compassion. Okay? You hire illegal aliens or you file petitions for foreign workers when, when you're displacing Americans. It's not that you can't find the workers you need. You have them. You fire them. You're doing it so you can drop the wages and treat these people far worse, knowing full well that they'll take it. What is exceptional about foreign workers from third world countries is that they work for exceptionally low wages under exceptionally adverse conditions, and they won't complain about it. That's what makes them exceptional. They're not as good as Americans, but they don't have to be. They're cheap enough that it's worth it. You see, they've done the math. So the system delivers an unlimited supply of foreign, cheap, exploitable labor, a huge number of foreign students. I believe there's now 9,000 schools authorized to bring in well over a million foreign students every year, hundreds of thousands of whom are learning the STEM curriculum to displace Americans, which is the goal here. Let's drive the middle class into the ground. Alan Greenspan testified for Chuck Schumer 2009, called American high-tech workers the privileged elite, and said that we needed to strive towards having wage equality, and the way to do it is to flood America with cheap labor, and through competition we could get rid of the wage premium being paid to the highly skilled American. 
It's a battle plan, if you will, to destroy the middle class and middle class wages in America. It's also the immigration system, a delivery system for unlimited numbers of foreign tourists. That's the reason why on 9-11 there were 26 visa waiver countries. There should be none after 9-11. Read the 9-11 report. You'll see what they had to say about visas. But instead, we went from 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11 to 38 visa waiver countries now. I will add not one single country has been added to the list since Mr. Trump became President Trump. But those numbers increased under both Trump, uh, under both Bush and Obama. We went from 26 to 38. Why? Unlimited number of foreign tourists. If you go to the Discover America website, it's run by the Chamber of Commerce in concert with executives from the hotel, hospitality, travel industries, and manufacturing associations. And they talk about how we've got to do everything in our power to streamline the process so that we don't impede the flow of tourists into America so that we can increase profits. Who cares if we're admitting fugitives, terrorists, criminals, and gangbangers? Keep them rolling in as long as they buy chewing gum and they stay in hotel rooms and, and, and buy meals in the United States, it's okay. Spend some money, and we don't care who you are or why you're really here. That's the message. And finally, our immigration system delivers with greater efficiency clients for immigration lawyers than FedEx or UPS combined. That's the delivery system that's known as immigration. And where does national security fit into all this? It doesn't. Where does public safety fit into all this? It doesn't. Where do the demands of the American people fit in? Not an issue. Because the average American can't compete with the individuals who bribe our politicians with huge campaign contributions that went through the roof when the Supreme Court foolishly voted in support of Citizens United, which basically says that unlimited quantities of cash can pour into campaigns now. The train is off the track. The train is off the track. The only person who has been trying to get things settled back again is Donald Trump. And he's vilified. And I listen to this garbage coming from both sides of the aisle, but principally the Democrats and the liberal media. Oh, the president is a bigot. The president is this. The president is that. Look, I wish he would use better language. It gives me, you know, fits. My degree was communications, arts, and sciences. I call it my BA and BS. Words do matter. And the president's message gets muddled because of the fact that he's not as articulate or as nuanced as I wish he were. He is what he is. But he is head and shoulders above any president we've had since Eisenhower or Kennedy. But people and showbiz are either too stupid. I mean, look, these are people that need script writers to tell them how to say good morning to somebody. I mean, imagine that kind of a job where nothing that comes out of your mouth is really something that your brain created. It's something that someone else stuck in your mouth. Basically, I mean, think about it. Actors and actresses, yes, they all want to call themselves actors. I, I still make distinctions. The, the animal kingdom, uh, humans, all of us, male and female, and they know there's all sorts within that spectrum and so forth. 
But I, I still use the term actor and actress, so if I offend somebody, I can live with it. Actors and actresses really should be thought of as ventriloquist dummies. Now, some of them are smart, and in the old days, some of them were amazing, and some of them are still very good. You still have some patriotic actors. I had the privilege of dinner with Robert DeVal on two separate occasions, and to use the Yiddish term, the guy's a real mensch. He's a sharp guy, uh, and he was really a pleasure to be around. And there's others. But so many of these characters, my God, they are ventriloquist dummies. I'm convinced that without a script writer, they couldn't even know how to say hello to somebody. So they go out there and they make these outrageous statements. Half of them never even had a half-decent education. But they say these things. And the fact that they make the statement, that's freedom of speech. That's the beauty of America. I certainly wouldn't want to take it from them. I never deprive anybody the right of being wrong. What's unfortunate is how many Americans think that these actors and actresses really have some kind of experience on which to base the stuff that they say. Growing up, as I did, my parents were very clear about this. They said to me, if you don't know what you're talking about, shut up. I remember getting my father really irritated at the dinner table when I was a teenager, and he would look over his glasses with what I used to call the father look. And in a very slow and irritated voice, he would say, Mike, empty barrels make a lot of noise. I'll never forget those words. In fact, although I lost my dad to cancer when I was 19, and he got cancer between his cigarette smoke and the fact that he worked in the shipyards during the Second World War, he felt compelled to contribute to the war effort. He wanted to be in the military, but his brother was already in the Army Air Corps. My dad was the sole surviving member of our family. Uh, And because of the Sullivan brothers, who all died on one ship, the five Sullivan brothers, if you were the sole surviving male member of your family um, and and your brother or or, uh, whatever was already in, you couldn't enlist. So my dad worked in the shipyards. But to this day, and, and here I am 50 years later, And when I'm on television programs or or speaking publicly and people ask for my opinion about issues that I really don't have expertise in, if I'm tempted to to, to shoot from the hip and come up with a quick answer, I can still hear my dad's words in my ear. Empty barrels make a lot of noise. And so I would rather err on the side of saying, you're asking me a question that I'm not qualified to answer. It's called an honest answer, folks. An honest answer. That's what's lacking from our debates today is honesty and integrity and reasonableness. All that we hear is the acrimonious name-calling. I mean, look at Pelosi. Look at Pelosi. Cowardly attacks, anti-immigrant bigoted agents. Is that the best you can do, Nancy? Really? I'm first-generation American. When I was in college, I was a B'nai B'rith president. B'nai B'rith is a Jewish service organization. And we did a lot of charitable work. We collected money for Danny Thomas's St. Jude's Hospital, wonderful place. I was very proud to be part of um, groups of people that went out into the neighborhood to get money to send to, to, to the Danny Thomas Hospital. Of course, Danny Thomas is no longer with us. Great entertainer, but his hospital sure is, and they do great work. So we, we did a lot of things. There was also an emphasis on Jewish culture. And we went to Washington when I was in high school and then again when I was in college. LBJ was the president. To try to get Johnson to get the Russians to let religious minorities leave Russia, come to America, 
so they could experience liberty, religious freedom. We did it not only for Jewish people that were trying to get out, certainly as a Jewish organization we were concerned, but we were concerned about all people living under tyranny in Russia. Dr. Ralph Abernathy came and spoke at our rally outside the White House. He brought with him a telegram written by Dr. Martin Luther King, or a speech written by Dr. King, and President Johnson responded by selling us, sending us a telegram as he sat in the Oval Office because he could hear the demonstration, and he favored it, and he thanked us for our activism. And I can tell you that when I was an inspector at Kennedy Airport, it thrilled me no end to admit the refugees because I felt that we had closed the circle. But back then, we didn't fear terrorists being among refugees, and there weren't so many that we couldn't screen them. And 9-11 had not yet happened. So when I hear this garbage about how anybody who wants effective immigration law enforcement is anti-immigrant, it infuriates me. But that's this fake narrative created by the fake media to try to intimidate people, and we're seeing it with Antifa on college campuses. I used to do debates on the campuses, Yale Law School, Columbia Graduate School of Journalism, Columbia Law, Chapman Law, go down the list, NYU. Not anymore. Hofstra. They don't want debates on immigration. They don't want debates on anything because the other side knows they can't win the debate. So all they can do is shut down the debate. This is totalitarianism. It's not progressive. It's regressive. It's not about freedom. It's not about being opposed to bigotry. It's about gaining control of the discussion by totalitarian tactics shutting down the opponent so that no one hears anything but the message that the fascists want you to hear. That's not the America that I was born into. And I can tell you that when I take, uh, when, they, when they send the car to pick me up to go into the studio and I speak to the drivers, many of them are immigrants. One young man who came here from uh, Nepal told me that he'd been here about 11 years and that the changes that he has seen in America's democracy in those 11 years scares him. He told me that. He said it was shocking. He said that a guy came into the, was, was in his limo a day or two earlier, and he said that he liked President Trump, but he knew that he would be physically at risk if he dared to stay at work. And he said to me, the driver said, what has happened to America's freedoms? He said, I fear for the future of this country. He told me he had children, and he was scared to death that they were in this country, and he questioned why he came here in the first place. And he's only been here 10 years and can see that level of change. I see far more change, and it concerns me greatly also, and that's why I do this program. But really, folks, we've got to stand up, and we've got to have our voices heard. We need to reach out to our elected representatives, and we need to let them know that we're not the dummies that they hope that we are. It is so rapidly apparent, readily apparent, that this country is going off the cliff. When federal agents are described as, as fascists and stormtroopers by members of a mainstream political party, you know you are in deep trouble. You know That's the kind of lunatic statement you would have expected from a fringe party that had 14 people in it. You wouldn't expect to hear it from the party of JFK or Harry Truman. 
JFK must be pinwheeling in his grave today to call federal agents, Nazis, fascists, stormtroopers, to have a Democrat mayor promise that he's going to try to prosecute federal agents for enforcing laws that are designed to protect America and Americans. And if you doubt what the purpose of our laws is, then go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, because it lays out the categories of aliens who are to be kept out of the country. And it has nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. Aliens are dangerous, communicable diseases. Aliens who are severely mentally ill. Let's remember, those are the, that was the domain of Ellis Island, to keep out those who had dangerous diseases or mental illness or who were physically too weak to work. Ellis Island biggest medical facility in the country at the time that it was built. I wrote about it and I included a link in a recent article that actually goes to a documentary that you must watch. It's a one-hour documentary. It really talks about the issue of what Ellis Island was. It wasn't a walk in the park, certainly. Our laws are also supposed to keep out, our immigration laws, aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and human rights violators war criminals, fugitives from justice, aliens who are likely to become a public charge, and aliens who have no authority to work, but if they did work, would likely displace Americans or drive down wages. There's not one word in our laws about race, religion, or ethnicity, and I can tell you that as an immigration agent, I've arrested people from all over the world of every race, every religion, every ethnicity, because those were not the factors. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity has the good, the bad, and the ugly. So when we arrested people, it was because they violated our laws that are designed to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the well-being of American citizens. Simply stated, that's why we have immigration laws. That's why we as individuals look through the peephole to our front door when a stranger knocks on the door to make certain that we don't let somebody in who might hurt us or our families. That's all that this is about but you would never know it if you listen to the mainstream media or the Looney Tunes who have become the Democrat Party leaders. But the Republicans need to step up, and they need to stop the nonsense, and they need to provide a clear choice, and they need to embrace President Trump's position on immigration. Because nothing less than the security of our nation, the future of our country and our children, folks, are hanging in the balance. It does not get any more serious than that. And as you know, I always like to make the point, democracy is not a spectator sport. It's very important for you to get involved, to have those discussions with your neighbors, to educate yourself about the issues, and to have the courage of your convictions to speak out. The First Amendment is first because the Founding Fathers understood just how important freedom of speech is. But like any organ, it could become a vestigial organ if we don't exercise it. Celebrate our democracy by celebrating our First Amendment. Do so peacefully, peaceably, but from a fact-based perspective. Make sure that you get your voice and your concerns heard by those who are elected to represent us and by as many of our friends and neighbors as possible and, and become part of my bucket brigade of truth. Please let people know about my website and my articles at michaelcutler.net, frontpagemag.com, and The Social Contract. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you again next week. 
same time right here on the Michael Cup.